0: Good evening. Continue this evening our discussion of the Bhagavat Sandarva of Srila Jiva Goswami. We're in the 23rd Anucheda, which has been subdivided into sections because of the length of the section. Anucheda means section, so we have sections within sections so we can try to digest the information there. This section deals with maya, the primary definition of the word maya and how that's utilized, how that separated energy is to be seen in relationship to Bhagavan, how it's to be seen in relationship with his other energies, and also how the terminology maya is used in the Bhagavatam in different ways, and how, as students of the Bhagavat, we should be able to recognize the definition as it's commonly used and understood, and how these other applications should be understood. So overall, the Anucheta is the uh, threefold Maya is real. So the second section of the Anucheta. I'm sorry. What do you mean by the threefold Maya? Well, threefold, so much as we have Asattva, Rajas, and Tamas. Oh, okay. So there are three folds to Maya. Okay. Sambanda. The first pramana, the first evidence, introduces the concept that variety exists in the Supreme as evidenced by his various energies. So there's most definitely internal energies in addition to the external energies which we are familiar with. Uh, Then the second section of this part Jiva Swami will quote from Sridhar Swami in commenting on the Srimad Bhagavatam verse which delineates the unfolding of, of the various energies of Maya. We speak of unfolding of the various energies, we're talking about again the manifestation of the material creation from the state of equilibrium where all the gunas, of maya are a state of equilibrium, we could call it. So that unfoldment will be explained a little bit by quoting the commentary of Sridhar Swami on a uh, verse from the third canto of the Bhagavatam. And then in the next part of this section, the three energies of jiva maya will be delineated. Let's go to the pramana. Uh, this is Dr. Treya speaking in the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam. The verse in English 11.9.18 The Lord, designated as Kaivalya, is the supreme shelter for his own plenary portions, as well as for the differentiated portions, the Jivas. He is the totality of pure Kavala bliss, and experience untinged by anything material. He is eternally devoid of any material designation. According to the 11th canto, Kaivalyu, the bliss of pure experience, through your internal potency, you are experiencing the joy of your own self. Points being made here in this verse is this state of the utilization of this word, kaivalya, is referring to not as the word is sometimes used to designate one's liberation, but to designate that the Lord is the liberate, is liberated from, not that he was ever not liberated, but he's liberated from the possibility of of any outside influence. He's completely content in his own, and they use the uh, the nomenclature, bliss. He's totally happy in himself. So one who's totally happy in himself doesn't need to look outside of himself for happiness. So thus this term can be utilized that he's totally free from having to look outside of himself for any enjoyment, fully content. And we can see how the word also means liberated. He's liberated from, from having to go and seek liberation. Liberation means I want to become fully satisfied. He's totally pure, untinged by anything material. And in the six cantos, the Davis confirm, you yourself taste the bliss derived from your own self. So the demigods, the Davis, in speaking and praying to the Supreme Lord, are making this this pronouncement that you yourself taste the bliss derived from your own self. This verse also implies that he has internal potency, Otherwise, there is no deed to say that he enjoys supreme bliss and his internal energy is variegated. And this is also confirmed in Shruti, Parashya, Sakti, Viva Daiva, Shruyute. The Lord has multiple energies. So in the next verse, Dattatreya continues, O subduer of the enemies, at the time of creation, the Supreme Person destabilizes his material energy, maya, composed of the three gunas of material nature through his unadulterated internal potency and thus manifests the mahat So this internal potency, kevalat manu bhave na, is his chit-shakti. So the point that Jiva's drawing out from these verses the Bhagavatam is that the Lord's internal energy and we commonly in the Bhagavatam it's referred to as what his glance his internal potency is what activates the material energy maya and the underlying point being that destabilization and manifestation of the external potency through the elements and through the impregnation of the jivas into those elements, that's done not for the Lord's own pleasure. It's done for the benefit of the jivas. It was emphasized at the very beginning of this Anucheda. Now we're going to go back to a statement. Jiva's going to make another point regarding the unfoldment of the material manifestation. And he's going to use as his evidence regarding this unfoldment, which is brought about by the Lord's internal chit-shakti by quoting the prayers of Devahuti. It's from the third canto. I surrender unto you, Sri Kapila, the supreme, the sum total of primordial nature, its animating self, the cosmic intellect, time, the wise one, the threefold, and the maintainer of the cosmos. By dint of your own experience, the entire phenomenal world follows you, for you possess your own independent potency. Then Jiva Goswami goes forward and he himself, expands upon this particular statement of Devahuti by quoting the commentary of Sridhar Swami. Sridhar Swami unpacks the various terms that Devahuti has used in her verse. The word para means the Supreme Lord, Parameshwar. Why? Because he has independent potencies. Devahuti then names those potencies. So again, we begin to see in what Jiva Goswami presents in his Sandarbhas, by using the commentary of Shridhar Swami or himself providing some commentary and additional explanation, the depth of the statements that are presented in the Bhagavatam. These are not simple, whimsical statements. It's detailed tatva regarding the Lord. We went over the statement of Arjuna. How much knowledge is there to be able to speak and pray to the Supreme Lord and delineate all this deep tatva? So even Devahuti, in praying to Lord Kapila, so we'll walk through it just to highlight the glory of someone like Devahuti and the depth of her knowledge. Because he has independent potencies, then Devahuti names the potencies. Pradhana is the form of material nature. Purusha is the superintendent of Pradhan. Mahat is the Mahatattva, the first evolute of Pradhan and the cosmic intellect. Time is the element that unsettles the above, and Trivrita, threefold, is the material ego, being composed of the three gunas. The word Lokapala means that he is both the cosmos and its maintainer, too. So in her prayer, she is referred to the Supreme with all of these nomenclatures, and all these nomenclatures have a deep meaning in relationship to the unfoldment of the material energy. After thus describing Bhagavan in reference to his external energy, Maya, which manifests as Pradhan and so on, all the way from unmanifested as the equalized or equilibriated modes of material nature, Pradhana before any before any agitation begins, before the modes of material nature come out and begin to oppose each other, goodness, passion, and ignorance. It's referred to as Pradon, Manifest as Pradhan and so on. Devahuti next explains how he is beyond the material energy by virtue of his conscious potency. She states this with the words, by dint of your own experience, the entire phenomenal world follows you. Atmanubhutya by your own experience, means by your internal potency. The entire phenomenal world follows him, is dissolved in him through his internal potency. The word kavi, wise one, means omniscient. This means that he is the witness of the manifestation of the material elements beginning with Pradana. So this is, this is Sridhar Swami, that great commentator on the Bhagavatam, Taking this prayer by Devahuti and providing for us in piecemeal what all this terminology means that she's placed in her prayer. Of course, for us who are not schooled deeply in Sanskrit, we have a few words in our vocabulary, but schooled deeply means deeply and we can sometimes get a, a glimpse of what somebody schooled deeply in Sanskrit is like, especially when Jiva himself or a commentator begins to break down the one word for us. What to speak of somebody like Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taking a, a one sloka and giving sixty-four explanations. The Bhagavatam is full of unlimited meanings and one verse within the Bhagavatam is unlimitedly deep. So we're seeing just a periphery breakdown of one sloka, which is a prayer of Devahuti to Lord Kapiladev. So again, trying to tie that back together. There's a point being made here that the Lord's internal potency is activating all this external potency. And even somebody like Deva in presenting a prayer, is talking about that internal potency and how that internal Chit Chakti is agitating the external potency and the whole cosmos is coming into play. So the next Praman in this subsection of this Anocheta is from the Mahasamhita. And it characterizes the three energies of the Jiva Maya. Maya has two divisions. It has Jiva Maya and it has maya. Jiva Maya is those, the modes of material energy as they play out. And then the guna maya also is affected by the, by the gunas, the three modes of material nature. So what's the difference between them? One is the efficient cause and one is the material cause. So the efficient cause is that cause which, which, has, interf- which has the interface, the, the internal, the internal involvement of the jiva so if we look at it as internal and external so mind intelligence false ego and then of course we have external we have the external senses and how they interact with the sense objects so that external is inert so the mahasamhita uh, the following is there: the Maya, the Jiva Maya of the great Self is divided into three. So the Jiva Maya is divided into three: Shri, Bu and Durga. His personal power, Atma Maya, is his will, and the power of the Gunas, Gunamaya, is inert. So Atma Maya, in this context, and again everything is context, is referring to his internal potency, which is bringing into action the external energy. So Shri is maintaining, is maintaining potency, Bu is creative potency, and Durga is his dissolving potency. And of course those energies are controlled by the presiding deities, So Brahma is in charge of creation, so Bu, the Bu energy is controlled by the personality Brahma, he brings about the creation. Vishnu is of course uh, the husband of Shri, who's the maintaining potency, and Shiva is the dissolving potency, and his consort is Durga. Bhagavan's energy, when divided into these three features in relation to the Jiva, is called Jiva Maya. The idea behind the verse is that although Vishnu, like Brahma and Shiva, is the energetic counterpart of one of the material Gunas, he is transcendental to them. He should not be compared to the other two, for he is never touched by the Gunas and thus has the power to liberate those who surrender to him. If we can understand this, we can understand the very godhood of God, so to speak. His godhood is the fact that he himself is not affected by this external potency. To substantiate that, we can Again, go to the Bhagavatam, Sutta Goswami. This is the divinity of God. This is a verse from the eleventh chapter of the first canto. Though he stands within material nature, he is not affected by its qualities, for they are always within him. This is so, just as an ordinary person too, who is intelligence has taken complete shelter of him, also remains unaffected by the qualities of nature. If you're not affected by the modes of material nature, then you can get some glimpse into the fact that this is actually God's divinity. And for the sadhika, there is some gradual revelation in this regard. We wish it was overnight, but generally it's a very gradual process. But you can't deny the effects of of continual practice in good association under good guidance. One can actually feel gradually that these modes of material nature are having less and less effect. And sometimes you you have some opportunity to really observe that in your life when you're in a cloistered community like we are and an outside influence enters into your association. You can see that you've come, maybe not a long way, but you've come some way along. And... It's encouraging. It's encouraging to see, wow. There, but for the grace of God, (laughs) go I. There's no question. What to speak of this is the divinity of God is the fact that he's not affected at all. The modes of material nature are not coloring him. He is what? Kaivalya. He's pure. Kavala. So it's his energy that's putting this all into motion, but the energy is separated from him. So this point has already been made. You can see how, although this is a very long and detailed anucheta, this section is putting together so many concepts that give us some deep insight into how Krishna's putting into effect his external potency, but, well, it's like a magnet. He's not touching it. The iron filings are moving, but they're not in direct contact. In this section of the Anucheda, again, just driving the points home, regarding his divinity in manifesting the material universe. Now we're still in the same Anucheta, into another section. We've broken it down, or let us say that the the commentator has broken it down so that we can, again, try to digest it. A third part is now presented. In this part of this section... First, some evidence is given to show the use of the term Atmamaya. is in reference to the energies of the Supreme in general. So, Maya, his maya, or maya, maya maya, my maya. And then another thing that's brought out in this section is the fact that Maya is also used to denote his jhana and kriya shaktis, his shaktis of knowledge and action. And then, going on to explain the fact that in the shastra, even in the Bhagawat, we're going to see terminologies for Maya which are referring to other shaktis, energies of the Supreme, which we would not normally attribute to the terminology maya. In other words, Jiva is saying, don't get hung up in thinking that maya is just the external energy. Sometimes in the Bhagavatam, verses are there where maya is referring to other energies of the Supreme, of Bhagavad. So the first Praman is to show gradation of energy, Atma-maya. And it's from the 10th canto, from the brahma bhamohan Leela. And this is Brahma has finally come to the realization that his little little show of Maya, he was trying to give some mystical show to Krishna, of his powers, his maya, was really not all that great at all. So, Brahma has come to the conclusion, yeah, that was probably not a good idea. (laughs) And he says, As the power of fog to create darkness is eclipsed by night, and the glow of the glowworm by daylight, so is the maya, of an ordinary person struck down when directed against a person of great power, and the analogies—a glowworm in daylight and the fog at night—it's there's a there's a vast difference in those energies. Now, if we're looking at the material creation and we're looking at the creator, the creator of anything would have the greatest potency in relationship with his creation. He's designed it, he's arranged it, he's going to be the most powerful in relationship to what he's manifested because it's come from his energy. So this is Brahma speaking and he's talking about his material creation. and It's nothing to be taken lightly, he's done quite a job. I don't know if any of you could do it, you know, I don't think I could in my current state of mind my current state of conditioning the current the current position i have in relationship to the potencies of krishna's external energy of goodness passion and ignorance whipping out a a material universe just it's not in my repertoire but this is somebody who has that capacity and then he's using this kind of analogy i'm an ordinary person and Everything that I can do, whatever I can do, and whatever energies I can exert, I've tried to exert in a show of my mystic opulence. But it's no more powerful than fog in the middle of the night or a glow worm in the middle of the day when it comes to somebody who really has power. And he's referring to Krishna, a great person. I'm not so great. I thought I was great. But, Now I've learned my real position. And the verse also shows the gradations of Shakti's. It's not that fog doesn't have any power. I don't know if you've ever driven in fog, but sometimes you have to pull off the road. That's pretty powerful. You want to go, but it's like, uh, yeah. I've also seen those uh, YouTube videos of 50-car pileups, and I'd rather not be in one of those. It's not that fog doesn't have some power. It has some power. And as I said, it's not that the glow worm doesn't have some power. The glow worm can can see enough to have a good meal in the evening without the sun. Gradations of power. And we see in the piranhas stories of living entities being killed by weapons of Maya. So it's not that Maya has no power. And it's Maya is certainly not just an illusion. In the examples given... A mirage is an illusion. Well, you're not going to get wet from a mirage in the desert. There's no, no more real water there. But Maya, Maya can kill you, and does. Let's go on to another praman, for another point, Chaturveda Sika. The eternal supreme person, Sri Vishnu, is called Mahamaya, the possessor of Maya because he is endowed with his eternal energy, called Maya, as part of his essential nature. Another statement, Maya means material nature, endowed with the three gunas, knowledge, and the energy of Sri Vishnu. Sridhar Swami comments, Commenting on the more word Maya Maya in Srimad Bhagavatam 11.24.27, Sri Sridhar Swami says, that it also means knowledge. In his commentary to Srimad Bhagavatam nine twenty twenty seven, he writes, Maya refers to the opulence of the gods. And in his comments to Srimad Bhagavatam three hundred fifteen twenty six, he first explains the word yoga maya as the supernatural power manifest in the Kamaras by dint of a Yoga and then in relation to the lord as the manifestation of his chit potency chit shakti vilas thus it has been established that atma maya has three divisions we don't need to re- worry about the divisions what's the point that's being conveyed here is shridhar swami in using the terminology maya is referring to different things and sometimes it's it's not always necessarily the external potency of the Lord, as we would normally use the nomenclature. Then Jiva Goswami writes in his Anacheda himself, When Jiva Maya is said to be the will of Bhagavan, it should be known that it is only a shadow of his will. This is because Bhagavan's direct will does not intercede in the sphere of universal affairs. So when we see, again, Jiva Goswami is giving us a caution. When you see the terminology, Jiva Maya, and an explanations given that this is the will of Bhagavan, well, it's a shadow of his will. Because he really has no willful intent other than what I've already explained to you at the beginning of the Yannucheta, which was what? His will is to simply provide an opportunity for the jivas. So he has no direct willing in relationship to the external energy himself. He's what? He's pure, uncontaminated. He's Kavala. He's Kevala in relationship. He's liberated from anything to do with the external potency. A little bit of commentary here. Maya has many meanings. Energy, internal or external. Will, knowledge, action, intelligence, illusion, magic, mercy and opulence. In philosophy, Maya is used to denote Bhagavan's energies, both internal and external. Internal is chit potency, and external is inert matter and potencies of creation, maintenance, and annihilation in relation to matter. So the efficient cause and the material cause. There we can see Jiva Maya being the efficient cause. What is that? Goodness, passion, and ignorance bringing the creation into manifestation through creation, the mode of passion, maintaining it through the mode of goodness and destroying it through the mode of ignorance. That's the efficient cause. That's jiva maya. And what is that cause exerted upon? Inert matter. And that is the guna maya. That's the understanding you're looking for between guna maya and Jiva Maya Jiva puts it in motion and what is that potency? that potency is there but it requires an agent of action and the agent of action is the Jiva Vishnu is called Maya Maya the possessor of Maya or energy Maya should not be mistaken to mean false Mithya. Now, the Advaitins they want us to believe that Maya is truly a mirage, an illusion. And when you wake up from your dream of material existence, Maya will no longer exist. Well, we do not accept that. Maya is an energy of the Supreme, it may be mutable, it may be changing, it may be coming and going, manifesting and then becoming inert, but it is one of the Lord's energies. And they would like us to think it's only empirically real. Empirically real, that terminology means it's only real when you apply senses, your senses to it. But actually, it's real all the time. It always exists. Now, how much you relate to it and how you relate to it, that may be an illusion. You may think you're the owner of multi-billion dollar properties all over the world, but in reality, when it's all over, you'll still be just simply ashes or the stool of an animal. When we look at the glowworm analogy, the fact that the glowworm is really insignificant in, in comparison with sunlight, we can look at that analogy and say, well, it's the same as looking at the difference between the Lord's ent- internal potency and his external potency. It's a difference between two grades of energy. The glow worm does have energy. It does, it's not that it doesn't have any energy. And the sun has energy. They both have energy. It's not the difference between a, ra- a reality and illusion. It's not that the sun exists and the glowworm doesn't exist. That's what, again, the Advaitans would want you to think. Thus the conclusion is that, though the external energy is subdued by the internal, this does not mean that one is real and the other false, and that when one is realized in Brahman, the world ceases to exist. Again, just emphasizing the point that Maya is real this energy this external potency of the supreme is his krishna says in bhagavad gita separated energy there's various meanings to the word maya this is this whole section here is bringing this out and none of those definitions do we see falseness imaginative imaginary or non-existent do we so are there are any questions Yes. Okay, so but like I've heard material worlds are bio like referred to as an illusion. So like when we say illusion, it's completely different than what we than what they say an illusion is. They think in the ultimate sense it doesn't exist. But like we accept the existence. We accept that it's so powerful, even though it's a separated energy, it's so powerful. That it can exert its mystic potency upon us like a magician. Okay. He can make us think that he's cut the woman in half. We see that the feet are moving and the head is and the arms are moving and and there's there's a space between the two parts. Mm-hmm. And somebody can even walk through it and we're like, okay. Or the lady is floating in air, and we're like, wow, you know, and the rings are going over, and we're saying, how is that possible? We accept the fact that the potencies of the magician, Krishna, are so bewildering to us that we can think that we're a king. Okay. We can think that we're king of the world. Well, if we're king of the world, what king of the world, who, who's, who's that powerful, would end up as a pile of dust or the stool of a of a jackal? What what kind of a king is that? But all of us here are thinking ourselves king. That's a that's a fool's game. No real king is going to buy into the fact that that they're not the controller of everything around them including their destiny, but in the end, they can't determine. So, does that answer your question? Anything else? Thank you so much for your association. Hare Krishna.